All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for uh, the second of our restaurant recovery webinar series. Uh, my name is Jeff Cheney. I'm with Relentless Management Group. I'm one of the partners at Cheddar Suite. Uh, my background, just so you guys know, uh, is really in communication and marketing and loyalty reward programs for the small business industry. I've worked with thousands of small business owners and operators across the country, uh, building out a network of over 10 million participants in loyalty reward programs and marketing strategies over the last decade. Um, with me today uh, are two guys who have really specialized in nothing but the restaurant industry. And that is Javier Cadena and Jamie, and I just wanna make sure I pronounce it right. Oikel, is that right? Oikel, Oikel, yep, you, Oikel. Can, you got it. Oikel. Okay. So Jamie Oichel with Running Restaurants. Jamie, let's start with you. Why don't you give us a little bit of context and tell us about Running Restaurants? You're sure, Jeff. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank, thanks uh, for you guys for having me on and, and thanks to all the folks for jumping on. So, so Running Restaurants, if you haven't been there, um, .com has, we've been online for, for so many years now. So we go back to 1997 with our sister site, Restaurant Report. So a, a long time online and all that has been about uh, delivering content for independent restaurants to help them succeed, right? And so that covers the the bevy of stuff you would imagine, marketing, service, operations, people, uh, menu stuff, finance stuff, tech. So there's over 1,200 articles on the site, uh, which is a lot of content. Also created a library of probably 100 plus hours now of multimedia content, and that's you know webinars such as this and interview sessions, courses, classes, things of that nature. There's also a download library there on the site that has uh, forms and downloads and PDFs and reports, things of that nature. So no sales pitch on the site, because listen, I, I open it up for, for you guys, free, three months, just go to the site, take advantage of the three month uh, membership that's on there during the COVID crisis. And, and that's you know, a $500 membership value normally. So just go into the site, take advantage of that, lots of resources to help restaurants through this time and through all the time. So that's our stuff, Jeff. Thank you so much. And thank you for making it available to everybody. I was, I was actually going to plug that right, right after you said it. Um, I was going to tell everybody, you know, go check it out. There's tons of resources and a lot of things in addition to what you're going to learn here. So do check out runningrestaurants.com. Uh, Javier. Javier is the CEO and founder of Cheddar Suite. Cheddar Suite is a back of house management software platform. Javier happens to be third generation restaurateur and he knows a thing or two about the industry from an operations standpoint. Uh, Javier, why don't you um, fill in some gaps there? All right. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, thanks, Jamie, for coming on. And hopefully people are learning something every week as we're doing this. I'm learning a lot talking to every every different person in the industry here. Um, yeah, so Cheddar Suite, you know, came about out of necessity. It was a true need for one platform that kind of did everything, um, just streamlining all of back house operations into one login, one app, one way I could look at my numbers and really have a, you know, finger on my, you know, on the pulse of my business live, just as it was going, you know, what we do is we pull in employee, you know, scheduling, uh, documentation, communication, data reports, inventory. It's everything you're already doing, uh, probably segmented or pen and paper still on one platform. And so that's what Cheddar Suite did, does. And, uh, you know, like Jeff said, I'm third generation. I was literally born in the industry. Uh, at 24, I opened up my first restaurant thinking that's what I wanted to do. And six restaurants and 120 employees later, I realized that's not what I wanted to do. So that became the birth of Cheddar Suite. And uh, yeah, we, we make our, our software available to restaurants right now um, and, and our consulting and our training to try and get everyone through this. And like Jamie said, this isn't a time to go out and try and try and get money and make money off the restaurant industry. It's time to help them and help everyone succeed and get through it. And hopefully in the end, we can all help each other. Exactly right. That's why we're here. And I just want to, to your point and your, your credibility there with the, the, in the software industry, you know, guys, some of the best software in the world was started by somebody uh, who understood the industry from the inside out, who were part of it. And they, they, they came to realize as, as part of their daily operations that there has to be a better way. And they turned to software to try to solve a fundamental problem that existed in the industry. And that is at its core, what Cheddar Suite is. So I encourage you to check out cheddarsuite.com as well. Okay, here's what we're gonna talk about today. The agenda, 
what we're seeing in the industry, and I'm, I'm telling you, this is about what we're seeing up to date. Um, we want to bring you some of the most current things and feedback that we're getting. We want to talk about prime cost and menu, um, multiple revenue streams, opening up multiple revenue streams, list building and communication, and managing people and staff. So those are our main topics there. Uh, I'm going to start with um, handing it over to Jamie. And, and Jamie, why don't you just tell us? I mean, I know you're interviewing with dozens of industry professionals every week and every month. Um, what are they saying? What's happening out there? What is the most recent? Yeah, man, it's it's been a journey since. So yeah, I, I think we're just about the one month mark, I think, to what I call the, the kickoff, right? Right before St. Patrick's Day, where the, the nation just hit the panic button and said, don't let people go out drinking crazy on St. Patrick. So we're a month away. We've been in this for a month now, like for sure. Uh, and states have reacted quicker, quicker than others. But yeah, but since that time, I've been been trying to keep up like crazy with industry folks and interviewing uh, my, my contributors and, and whatnot. So I have talked to a lot of folks and um, obviously been a little bit impossible to keep up with everything. So, uh, but what, I, what I've obviously seen is everybody's blindsided, right? No doubt there. No one is sitting pretty in, in this situation. Everybody, everybody has been exposed. The fragile nature of the restaurant business has been exposed that it's a, you know, week to week, month to month enterprise. Uh, we had overnight firings, furloughs, layoffs, like, like no chain or, or nobody has, has been walked away from this. So uh, first thing I did, I talked to insurance folks, uh, leasing experts, and then I got to the legal folks and marketing operations. What, you know, what can we do in these situations? Talk to some tech folks as well. And then obviously been, been getting with the readers for, for their feedback as well. And, and I'm probably not going to tell you anything you don't know right now, uh, but we are just sitting in limbo waiting for the government to do their thing, waiting to give us the green light uh, as really only they can do right now to get back to normal. Um, and not that we know what that's going to look like. I don't think it's going to be the same, but the most common response is um, we're doing whatever we can uh, to scrap, scrap some you know, money to make some sales, do whatever we can. Uh, most people have laid off the majority of their staff. So that is normal. If you've done that, uh, most people are getting by with themselves, their owners, their salary people um, really streamlined or streamlining their hours, of course, or streamlining, uh, streamlining the menu options, uh, really shrinking those to be the things that are, that are profitable. So that's, what's kind of happening there. And then they're being creative, right? They're also finding out ways to help the community, trying to do something marketing wise that, that makes sense. Um, what is interesting and what I, well, not, not interesting is the right word, but what we're also learning how to negotiate with are the people we owe money to, the rent people. So the cost reductions, rent deferrals, hopefully something happens with the, the insurance side about business interruption stuff. So keep tuned to that, uh, whether it's looking at our website or others, I think there's going to be some pressure to provide that. People are filling out the relief forms. Uh, I, I heard that in every comment that I got back, I'm waiting and hoping for that to be uh, helpful. And then it's just at the end of the day, what I, it's obviously I'll just summarize with what you know, it ain't pretty, right? But, but I believe there's lessons that we're going to pull out of this, that the, the good operations are going to be stronger in the future. So we'll talk about some of that today. Love it. Love it. Javier, do you have any comments, anything that you're seeing out there that you want to share? Yeah. Um, I, Jamie hit a lot of great ones there with, um, I think the one thing, well, the one thing for sure that we've all learned that I love is that the government has actually deemed us as an essential business. So that, that's nice. I'm third generation. I mean, to hear that and to think we're not just going to be completely shut down, but the government's willing to work in whatever way they can to help us through it. That's huge. Um, you know, a few other things I keep hearing is that this, this is going to take time. I mean, there's going to be, there's not going to be going back to normal. So people expect and restaurateurs expect to open their doors again, like they were. That's not going to happen. There, there's got to be, there's going to be rules and new policies and laws that are going to come in because of this. It's going to be things like employees having to wear masks and gloves or mandatory temperature checks for, you know, customers, you know, coming in lower max occupancy. So like up to 50% of your restaurant might be not used in the same way. So you got to start looking at those kind of things, you know, like wider spacing, um, bar layouts, you know, customer hand hand sanitations. I mean, there's not even going to be for some time uh, self-serve items. And this can be, you know, it'll, it might all go back to normal once the vaccine's out. But for right now, I mean, you're talking about no salt and pepper shakers on tables, no ketchup. No, I mean, it's things like that, that restaurateurs need to wrap their heads around at this time. 
and, and just go, go, okay, there, I can't just sit back and wait for my doors to open up again because you're not going to open up the same way. Just start looking at those kind of things. Uh, instead of being in, you know, in fear of what's going to happen, I mean, join webinars like this and start reaching out to, to other restaurant people and finding out what they're doing and what they're hearing. Javier, I think you make a, a really, really good point because the whole purpose of this webinar is to talk about recovery, right? So we don't want to talk about the past, that we know what's already happened and how it's impacting. And we know that we're all stuck in kind of a state of limbo. But what we want to start doing is, is for everybody who plans on being in business, and if you're on this webinar, then congratulations, that's you. And I applaud you for being here and doing everything you can to continue to learn and innovate. And the recommendation that I would have along the lines of what Javier was talking about is start getting your mind in that in that uh, space about, you know, when when I do open my doors and my customers sit down at tables again, I'm probably not going to be using all the same bottles and all the same shakers and all the same things that are currently just sitting there um, not being used. So what is my alternative? What is the backup plan? How am I going to prepare to provide ketchup and salt and pepper and all of these things if my customers are not able to just reach and grab it themselves. These are things that we need to start considering now so that we are ready when the time comes. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to comment on this thread is, is the marketing and creativity. Uh, Jamie, you said that. Um, I am amazed at the innovation in the restaurant industry and how quick people have adopted, how quickly some of the localized rules and laws have changed to accommodate curbside pickup and you know alcohol sales with to-go orders and a variety of things so um applaud the industry and the creativity there's there's a lot of great resources out there uh, to find to, con to continue to get good ideas but i especially encourage you all to to follow other restaurants online on social media because that's where you're going to see some of the most innovative things happening right now all right, let's get into our additional topics here. Um, and, I, and before I hit on these, I do wanna encourage everybody, keep your comments and your questions coming in. Uh, don't wait till the end. I've got multiple people commenting right now and I love to see that happening. As thoughts come to your mind, as questions come to your mind, don't hesitate to just throw those into the chat or into the Q&A section. We will do our very, very best to get to those at the end of this call. All right. So the four must do's in getting your house in order, right? This is about recovery. This is about preparing for the other side. Uh, Jamie, you developed these, these four talking points. Uh, so let's start with prime cost menu. Yeah, but thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I do. I, I'm going to get right into this. And I, but you, you said a couple of things. I'll, I'll go back for two seconds and then come in and come right into this. But, but um, uh, you know, two things that, that I thought about one is, I, I've been hearing notes about how people are, are utilizing the time to get their place, uh, do the upgrades that they never have the time to do. So that's another thing to work on. Getting their place as clean as, clean as it's ever been in its history since it probably opened is another thing they're working on. And then um, to your point about what folks are doing, I, I've been capturing a lot of screenshots of social media feeds uh, of restaurants that I follow about what, how they're posting and how they're marketing in this situation. So I really like your idea of following other restaurants and what they're doing because you can beg, borrow, and steal uh, other tips. So, so good stuff there. And as we get into, as we get into prime costs, and really, I think I'm, my head's more talking about the, the food, the food uh, cost portion of prime costs. But what we're seeing right here in, in, in the, in the industry is there's just, I mean, there's really almost an inherent flaw in the restaurant business in that it is just super, super goddamn hard to make money. And, you know, prime cost is a big deal in that. And that, that's, you know, your food costs, liquor costs, and, and, your, and your labor costs is that big number. And usually uh, people, experts will give you a target of say 60% for that. If you're doing 60%, you've got a chance between your food, uh, food uh, beverage, and labor. Um, experts will, the, the other people will push you to 55 to really have a chance to make money. And that's, that's, that's a dramatic piece of, of, of your revenue. So, so prime cost in and of itself, huge, huge piece. And then you, then you layer on all the other stuff, rent and insurance and, and miscellaneous, et cetera, marketing equipment. And it's, you know, it's no surprise that restaurants are scratching, you know, for 10% profit margins when they're happy. And a lot of folks would love to be sitting at 10%. So, so really what I, what I see is this is a chance to uh, re 
imagine uh, the restaurant space because it's really been, it's flawed for so many operators where they're doing everything they can to fight for 5% margin at the end of the day. So we, we need to take this time to look for opportunities to do it. And, and so definitely prime cost is one of the biggest ones to do that. And that is, but let's talk about the food cost part of it. So you, 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 you're, this is the time to dig into your food costs hard. Um, Javier is probably gonna be able to talk to this a little bit better than I can from the operation side, but um, get into, Every single uh, food item, in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of food costs, recipe recipe costs for every single item. Uh, I had some notes here about um, you know digging dig into that stuff, but you, you know you you want to you want to get to a point on your menu where every single item is in, in, in category. So say your appetizers, uh, your entrees, and your desserts. Every single item is delivering the same sort of profit margin to your menu. And if that is not happening, and it, it probably is not happening, then you need to reinvent your menu. And so if your most popular item is delivering 50 cents in profit to you uh, as an appetizer, that's terrible. Like get that, get rid of that. If that's all, if, if people are buying that crazy, 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 um, that's actually a, a very bad thing for your menu. So you need to uh, you need to obviously know the cost of every single item so that you know the profit margin that each one is delivering so that when your staff is recommending appetizers and entrees, they feel comfortable advertising every single thing and talking about the benefits of it where each one is delivering a good amount of profit to your bottom line, not just focusing on the one, you know, the one item that does and, and not, you actually don't want to sell the other one. So, so definitely food for thought there. Um, your menu will probably shrink as it relates to that. And that is probably a good thing uh, right now in terms of inventory as well uh, to maximize your profits. So uh, those are some of the notes I had there. Um, mostly use this time to, if you haven't done it, cost out every darn thing on your menu, all the pieces of it. So, so Javier, do you got thoughts to layer onto that? Yes. You know, um, you totally hit it on. Like there should be less items on your menu now. I mean, you got you to really look at not only less items, but the items you do keep, you got to think people are going to come back wanting healthier options. I myself stopped eating meat when this whole thing started and I started living at home and looking a lot more of what I'm buying rather than just running out and eating at a restaurant. So just the mindset of people have been cooking at home. They've been more focused on what they're eating. I mean, those things got to translate to your menu. Um, you know, also take into account all the packaging, all the takeout packaging that you're now having to spend on per item to get out the door. I mean, price that into also your costs. Um, and, you know, I know we work with Cisco Foods a lot. There's a lot of food vendors. They'll help you package and price these things. I mean, that's what they're there for. They're literally helping people turn their restaurants into grocery stores. So feel, you know, become good friends with those reps and, you know, use them as much as they use you to like, you guys are in business together. So really work with them to do that and, and understand all these things. The other thing is too, like, just, you know, you don't need such a big menu. Like we talked about, take the 30% that wasn't, I mean, literally run all your numbers and see what's selling, what's not, you know, the bottom third of your menu that isn't selling, will consider removing it. Just also don't have any items on your menu that you're not going to use the same ingredients for on at least two, three other items. You're not, you're going to waste a lot of food, money, time trying to purchase this stuff. I mean, you want larger purchasing power. So if there is an item on your menu that you're buying, you know, special items for, uh, then don't, don't have it on your menu. Um, so yeah, that, that's just, you know, right now, I mean, you slowly will introduce items back into your menu and back to your customers. But the way to do that is by having a special board. And by using social media announcing, hey, today's special is this, track those numbers well. That's what Cheddar Suite does. That's what we're good for is like that communication and tracking. Track those numbers so that if you see, whoa, every time I put this on the special board, it sells great. That's the way you introduce it to your full-time menu and keeping track and, you know, of, of those things there. But yeah, there's a lot, lot of things that restaurateurs can, can be doing just, just on their menu alone. Those great points. Uh, let's go ahead and keep moving forward on the next the next bullet point here: the multiple revenue streams. Jamie, yeah, man. So uh, I, I imagine this conversation happened to a lot of people. Again, let's go back to that March seventeenth uh, date, and they said, "God damn it! I wish we had got delivery ready. I wish we had set up with accounts with this person and that person. I wish we knew how to take orders." Right. So those conversations happened, um, and folks have learned a lot since then. 
in terms of how to do takeout delivery and, and to some extent, you know, catering, right? Big, big bulk orders. So um, if you were caught with no infrastructure a month ago, you've probably put some in place. Um, that's great. Um, now, now we know a lot more about it. Um, the good news is that you won't get caught off guard there. And now, now what's, what's happening is no takeout is not delivering. And we already hit some of the numbers. It's not going to replace hundred percent of your dine-in traffic for most folks. Um, I've seen emails uh, from, from folks I'm hearing now, 15% of business, 30%. Uh, one guy was up to 60% of his business. I had another uh, quick service guy who said he was doing almost hundred percent in his takeout uh, where he was replacing his dine-in. So that, that was pretty awesome to hear, but I know for most folks, it is just a portion and that's why they've had to let folks go. So the takeaway here is you have figured this out now much better than you ever have before. How to do takeout curbside delivery and all that you figured it out do not think that you can let it go when we go back to normal. Like this is incremental revenue that now you know how to build this into your business. Don't let go of takeout delivery and catering. Um, especially catering can be a big profit saver. It uses your kitchen, uses your resources. You're already, people are there, they're cooking stuff. You can deliver these big items in bulk and make a lot of money from it. So I'm hearing, um, uh, these kind of success stories in terms of, like I said, 20%, 30%, 40%, where it may have been 5% of their business before. So um, have these things in place because you don't want to be, well, here's what we learned, right? You don't want to have uh, the one-legged the one legged stool, right? You would rather be in a situation that has dine-in going strong, uh, delivery going strong, catering going strong. So if one of those gets knocked out, you still got a chance and um, obviously in this situation, people were, were knocked down hard, but so that's, that's my thought there. Get it going, learn from it, do not let it go. What, what do you think? You make a great point. And, and on that, um, I just wanna add a couple of things. You know, the, the multiple revenue streams, uh, you're absolutely right that, you know, if you weren't doing it before, you now see the need. The important thing to note here is that um, this is likely to become the new standard. It, we're, we're not going to see the restaurants who have adopted uh, Grubhub and Uber Eats and any of the other platforms retreat from those after this is done. And we're also not going to see customers retreat from those. You know, new habits are being formed and they're going to stick around. So if you haven't adapted, start now, get the process in place. And that, that directly um, relates to the way that people are finding you now. So if you relied on a lot of foot traffic before and that's not an option now, you know, give strong consideration to your online presence and what consumers are seeing when they look you up. Keep in mind that most consumers are not, they're not Googling for you by name most of the time. Uh, think of it in this, in this um, setting. I mean, if I'm at a hotel or if I'm traveling or if I'm driving through, you know, how do I search for restaurants? Well, if I don't know the name of your business, I'm not doing it by name. I'm searching, I'm going to Google and saying, hey, Google, Look for restaurants near me and it's going to within a geofence bring up a variety of restaurants and i'm going to make a decision on where i buy based on that information that i see so make sure that you're really well optimized online right now um, to generate that revenue from anybody who is searching and trying to find you in these alternative resources or these internal uh, alternative venues because this is the new normal this is going to be a source of new customers and revenue streams um, for years to come and, and now's the time to adapt. So you're absolutely right. I, um, let me think, well, before I go any further, Javier, do you have any comments on, on the multiple revenue streams? Yeah, no, I think you guys totally, um, hit it dead on. The only thing I was going to say is like, you know, not only is this not going away, but this was here before this, all this has happened during this whole COVID thing was made people realize like, wait a minute, I've, I've, our Uber Eats has been around and those guys are the only ones still doing it. The Grubhub has been around all this did. And I'm seeing it because of Cheddar Sweep. It's forced people to think that tech is going to be the solution to a lot of things. And the restaurant industry was so slow to adopt to this. I mean, you know, they're, they're still old school registers out there and they're not using POS systems and they're realizing there is, this just forced everyone into tech, which I, I love. It's making people kind of go realize the new, the new norm. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of the restaurants out there that aren't succeeding, I want everyone to do well, but it's the ones that hadn't adopted to a lot of these things. And now they're being forced to, um, you know, the curbside pickup, the, the catering, the takeouts, those were all there before, you know, and 
what next week, I hope, you know, anyone listening now can jump on next week because we're going to talk about more multiple revenue streams. So I don't want to get too much into it now, but we're going to have uh, an events wedding coordinator and a lot of other avenues that you can get into um, that you probably haven't thought of as a restaurateur. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was the last point that I was going to make um, is that, you know, if, if you're listening and, and wanting to increase uh, revenue in creative ways, make sure you check out next week's webinar, Jamie, and I'll make sure and send you the information on that as well. So you can share it with everyone because it is really focused on some creative alternatives to developing relationships now while the opportunity exists to increase uh, revenue through a variety of different channels. So definitely check us out next week. Um, the other thing is, I'm just gonna plug this real quick, is gift cards. Uh, you probably already thought of it, but you may not have a good online gift card solution. Um, gift cards are something that you can sell now and have redeemed later. And so it, it's, it's a way of, if anybody's reaching out to you in your business and saying, what can I do for you? I, I, I know you're closed, but you're, you're gonna make it through, you, you plan on reopening, how can I support you in the meantime? Leverage an online gift card platform. You can register with one like GiftBar, giftbar.com. Uh, it's a platform that'll allow you to basically register for free right now. All, we've, all the, the monthly fees and signup fees are waived. You register with them, get your profile on there, and then you can literally take the link that they provide you and just share that on social media, share it on your website. If, if you're closed now and you have no other source of income, you can tell people, if you want to support us, buy a gift card. You know, that's something you can do right now that'll put cash in our pocket and it'll help us weather the storm. So just a, a little plug there for gift bar. Uh, and I'll make sure that those resources are on our treasuresuite.com forward slash thrive webpage. Uh, thrive is where all of our recordings and all of our resources are posted. So cheddarsuite.com forward slash thrive. All right, uh, list building and communication. Jamie? Yes, sir. Uh, okay, another, another oh shit comment for you, right? So sit, <laughs> sitting back mid-March and like, oh shit, we should have built up our email list. Uh, we should have built up our text list. We should have done Facebook and, and uh, really built our Instagram followings. Like these are things that you know you should have done forever, ever, and ever. And then you're like, oh shit, we should have done that. So. Um, all right, so like that, that's where you are. Like you, you gotta, you have to have a mindset of building your in-house lists. And I, I, I only took a chance to poke into the, the, the comments that have come in so far. And you know, one person talks about you know dropping a third-party delivery service, and that's fine. The only way to do that is to have your own database, to be in control of your own your own lists. And that's what I want to talk about. That's where you, you give up too much profit when you let other people manage your list. So, all right, so. Um, Critical advantage. I, I I was looking for it. I swear to God, it's somewhere. It's somewhere on my website. There's. I have a class on list on list building, and it, it is about. Uh, well, it's a portion of the class, but it will tell you all the things you can do to build your list, and you know some of them, and and they can be they can be very simple. As simple as having your your servers ask them for their email address, and the thing why I say that it, that it should be simple is it does not happen. Like I, I, I harp on this in webinars and content that I write. Like I go, to, I go to dinner and you guys can probably echo this. And if you were listening, you can probably echo it as well. Nobody asks me for my phone number. Nobody asks me for my email address. And I don't mean no one, like it never happens, but it like 98% of the time does not happen. And it's such a big oversight. Like, so you nice. have customers that want to hear from you and you are dropping the ball. You have a four top, you have 200 people in for a night. How many emails did you capture that night? How many texts did you capture that day? If it's like zero or one, you've missed so many opportunities. Uh, you know, now you can have a four, you can get four phone numbers from one table, um, you know, to text in the future. So it's a huge opportunity that folks are, that, that miss. I, I interviewed a, a, a new operator a while, but this is a, a while back, but I asked him, hey man, you just opened up and you're having people come in, new experience. Are you collecting their information? No, we'll get to that down the road. And I said, I said, I said, what? I said, there's no down the road. Like you, you, they mean, you got to reach out to them. So anyway, I, I get crazy about this one. Uh, I get passionate about building your list. It is such an important piece for you to remarket to, whether it's email, text. I interviewed a dude this morning where we talked about what he's doing with his email list. And he has a good list and he's able to, to like create dollars out of thin air by sending a simple email. So if you're not in that position, like you need to be. So I, I could go, I could go crazy on this one for an hour, but I'll, I'll let, mm -hmm. I'll let it go right there. What, what, what do you guys got? <laughs> 
Well, you're talking my language, man. List building and communication is my area of expertise. And I was in the text messaging business for a decade working predominantly with restaurants on their loyalty reward programs and communication programs. Um, and I'm, the, I'm exactly like you. I'm passionate about this subject because every single day that you're not asking for it, you're missing an opportunity. I mean, why would you let anyone leave your business if they love it, if they're passionate about it, if they could provide you uh, value by giving feedback and a review, um, you're missing opportunities to get that information by not collecting their contact info. Uh, and it should not be difficult. It should never be difficult. So there's a couple different methodologies to gaining um, information from a, from a customer. My favorite is text messaging because it allows you to promote your text call to action in a variety of different channels. You can leverage your social media, you can leverage your website, you can leverage in-house, you can leverage email, you can leverage every channel to provide a text message call to action that is something to the effect of text the word Johnny's to 31578 to join my loyalty rewards program or text the word lunch to 31578 to win a lunch, uh, a lunch for two. Sweepstakes are a great incentive. And it's something that you can do today uh, to incentivize people to join. That way we're, and, and it doesn't always have to be where you're only promoting that call to action. This should be in addition to. So if you have a menu, you should have a text call to action on there that says, you know, if you have feedback, please text re uh, review to 31578 to write us a review. You know, if you have uh, a website, you should have a sign up form on there that makes it easy for them to provide their phone number. Why am I obsessed about phone numbers? Well, phone numbers have a 98% read rate versus email, which is gonna come in somewhere around 15 to 25 read rate, which is good for email if you're getting that. But everybody has one phone number. Their phone number is their primary way of engaging them. And if they love your brand, if they love your food, everybody has to eat. This is the best way to be able to push out a notification to them and let them know, hey, we got new menu items, check out our website, or we're uh, we need your feedback. Uh, what are the best days you'd like to see us open? Um, what hours would you like us to open uh, on the weekend? This is a way of engaging your customers in a two-way dialogue where you can learn a lot about them. And because text is so personal, because most people text their friends and their family, when you're on that level with your customers, that same level as friends and family, they're amazingly candid and very willing to provide you with a response, a quick little like, yeah, the bathrooms were messy when I visited. Well, that's really good to know. And aren't you glad that that didn't end up on Yelp? You provided them the ability to let you know about something without taking to a third party like Yelp. So that's why I yeah. strongly advocate um, text messaging. And Javier, I worked with you in your restaurants uh, leveraging text in the past as well. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it is, it's great. I actually just heard of a restaurant that will text out, they add when certain specials go up on their board that people love, they track them under those specials. So when they put it on their board in the morning, sure. they blast out that's but today your special is on the board, which is amazing. People are just trying to find different ways for it to work. And like you said, it makes them become more family and friends. That's the restaurant industry. I mean, you're not back there slaving and cooking and trying you know, majority, 70% of the industry is mom and pop. It's five locations or less. I mean, it's one to two locations. That's how my, I mean, my family started in the 60s with one location, two locations. I mean, they found a niche and grew very big, but uh, it, it's, it starts off with knowing every single customer. I mean, that, that's how you grow any business. You know, the other thing I did want to add to this is that social media is a very inexpensive way to, you know, Instagram, Facebook to get any little, quick communication out to, you know, your, your customers. And right now, I mean, you could put an Instagram, Facebook logo on your register, let people know that you actually have a page. Um, you're going to have to convince your customers that you are safe. That is a big thing. Like, you know, going with, with people going back out into the public, they're going to not only spend their money where they feel comfortable at, but with, people that haven't just sat back and done nothing to change the, the new environment. I mean, they're yep. going to want to spend their money on people that say, Hey, look, we've taken the precautions that we feel every commercial you hear now on TV says that we've taken, it's a garage door company. And they're saying we're taking COVID precautions. 
you know, so you're a restaurant. Think of, think of the safety you need to be taking along those same lines is that you need to talk to your vendors because there's a whole supply chain precautions that needs to be taken where those questions are going to get starting to get asked by customers. You know, it's like, okay, I trust you. You have gloves, you have masks on, but where did the food come from? Where that, you know, so you trust Vons, you trust Ralph, some big grocery store that they're doing things right. But when you're a mom and pop and you're, you're cooking for these people, you need to go above and beyond to show that you've actually taken these precautions. And so social media is a great way to start letting people know that every time you do something, any new change that's helping, you know, the business, I mean, you're, you're, you're helping your own, you're helping your business, you're helping your customers and you're helping the industry because we all need to work together to make sure to get over this hump to have people realize like the restaurants are actually safer than going to the grocery stores. There's less touch points, you know, there, there is, so those kind of things we need to Nobody's work talking together. About that, right? <laughs> nobody, nobody, everyone's talking about how safe our restaurants. Well, how safe are bananas on the shelf at a grocery store? When I've had a hundred people in life before me touch them, you know. So, so no one's talking about that stuff. And so I, I know that's why we're doing these weekly, and I'm come, We're meeting just amazing people that are like cheerleaders for the restaurant industry. So. Yeah, those are the kind of things that I think, you know, we need to communication wise, get out there to the public that yep. we are doing what we can. Glad you mentioned that about social media, because guys, here's the here's the reality is that people are watching social media. They have more time at home, more time, more screen time than ever before. Um, and the reality is, is that if you're not popping up on their feed, if you're if you're not in front of them one way or another every day or every other day, they think you're closed. And they may just forget about you. I mean, so the ones that are taking the effort to just constantly communicate, constantly communicate, are the ones who are going to see the greatest resurgence on the other side if, you, if you're already closed. If you're not, you're going to see consistent engagement uh, if you're remaining open because you're just in front of them constantly. Let's keep moving along. Um, people and staff, Jamie. Yeah, man, I, this, this one's going to be fun, but I, super, super last quick point on the email stuff and, and our text is like, um, just because I interviewed the dude this morning about it is you can do this stuff right now too. Uh, he walked me through a case study where the, the client used Facebook, right? To your point, ethical bribe, this is a giveaway, use Facebook to lead capture 1600 emails over like two weeks, like boom. So uh -huh. don't think you can't do this stuff right now. And, and, you know, hit me up because I'll, I'll give you the link to that. But so, so that, that absolutely can be done right now. So the people, it, real quickly, because I know we're, we're running up, we're starting to run towards time, is mm -hmm. this is a delicate balance. I'm getting, uh, especially in the emails that I got back from operators, this one is, is going to be interesting for everybody individually because you have, you've had to let go of staff. You want to bring them back. We don't know what that's going to look like, right? But it, what I think you need to have is, is, is you could you could obviously say yes everybody come back i don't think that's necessarily the right thing to do is rehire like rehire not like rehire mentally your staff take an opportunity to say do you want this person back with you because you're going to have choices they're going to have choices and one of the choices they're going to have by the way is depending on how the government structures their stuff they can probably make more money in the short term staying on unemployment and, and i've heard that echo in several mm -hmm. emails that i've got from operators is because my business level is going to be question mark, um, my, the, the person can probably make more in unemployment. So in essence, you have, to, you have to mentally rehire that person. And how can you do that? Well, what if you come back with a sales pitch that at least covered the things we talked about today? Hey, make sure you come back with us because we figured this shit, you know, stuff out in the meantime. We've figured out our food costs. We have our cost lower. We're going to be profitable. We figured out our communications plan. We figured out um, how to have multiple revenues. So we've got these places to be stronger. Maybe the places down the road aren't going to survive, right? So you have an opportunity to bring people back. You have an opportunity to grab Sarah, who's awesome down the street or across town. You don't want to necessarily grab from down the street, but she's awesome across town and you've been there. And maybe her restaurant is not doing those three things. And now you have a sales pitch to her. Say, listen, I've always loved you. Come work, you know, come work for us. We've got this stuff figured out. We're going to be rocking and rolling. And I'd love to have you there. And just the final point there is you probably do have a C or a D player on your team. This is the, the mean way to say it. I don't know. But this is the cleanest time you're ever going to get to let that person go, right? You know, you do not want C and D players on your team. Um, you want A and Bs. And so bring the A's back, bring the Bs back, train the Bs right, to be A's, right. sure, get yeah. rid of the C's and the D's. And so this is the time to think about your people strategy as you come back in. So that's my, that's my thoughts there, guys. 
All right, I'll, I'll comment on that real quick and just say that, you know, this ties into our last, our last uh, um, bullet point here, which is communication. You know, identify who you want to keep and maintain communication with them throughout this process. If, if they are emotionally committed to you and they verbally say, yes, man, when you're ready to reopen, uh, I'm in it. I'll be there for you. And you, you can at least say, okay, at least my cook is still in, at least my server is still in, my hostess, my favorites, my core team. Um, you make sure you're maintaining communication with them on an ongoing basis because you're not sure what opportunities and what needs may arise that they uh, may have to take if they don't know what your intentions are. So try to set expectations and communicate on a regular basis. Um, and, and that actually kind of leads us into one of my, um, my last points here, which is about systematizing your process. And I'll let uh, Javier talk a little bit about you know, the Cheddar Suite product and how it can help you do a variety of these things that we just talked about. Okay. Yeah, actually on your point, I don't, because we're doing these webinars to help restaurants. It's not a sales pitch, but actually Jamie on your point exactly is that normally during the restaurant, you know, when you're doing well and you have had the same staff forever, there's no disruption or anything. If you go and add a new piece of software, it's a nightmare to get everyone to adopt it because all of a sudden you're changing things of how they normally were done. Well, all of that is thrown out the window. This is such a perfect time to come back as a completely new owner, a completely new mindset and saying, look, we're lucky to be opening our doors again. We're lucky to have you back. We're lucky to even keep going. But now we're going to do this because we understand the industry needs tech. It needs to adopt management platforms. I mean, Cheddar Suite, what we do is we do scheduling, we do inventory, we do reporting. You shift to shift documentation. I mean, we're at the end of every shift, your manager, your shift leader puts in information. Every morning, owners, managers can wake up to an email sent by Cheddar Suite with all of the information that was put in the day before. So not only does it help your operations, but it's giving you transparencies. You know, when I first started doing this in my own restaurants, I, I was a very private owner. I didn't like to share information. I didn't like to hear this person complain about this and this and this. I didn't know what the bag of worms I was going to, you know, opening up, the can of worms I was going to open up. I, once I adopted it and it started working, I realized like now everyone is more bought into this restaurant than ever before. Now everyone is keeping everyone else accountable. Now everyone, I mean, talk about peak performance, peak efficiency. I mean, it's, it's what restaurateurs, and for $49 a month, that's, that's what we charge for everything. There is no excuses of like why you should not be on top of your you know, business that way, of why you can't bring on the new manager or your manager again and say, look, I, I understand we're lucky to be still in business. We're lucky to open up again, but let's do this right. Now let's compete with the big guys because they have half a million, million dollar piece of enterprise software that they're using at every location, you know, and we can't because we typically can't afford it. Well, Cheddar Suite now allows you to be able to afford and play at the same level that they're playing at. And I'm Cheddar telling Suite you, you're going to see such great changes. Yeah, Cheddar Suite really is enterprise level technology that was built for the small business operator. So it's all the tools, all the features and functions that you need to operate your backup house. The, the point that I want to make here, because I, the last thing I want is for this to start to sound like a sales pitch. So I'm just going to point one thing out, and that is that your staff management feature, uh, the scheduling and the documentation and basically the, the everything they need to onboard their employees in the Cheddar Suite and get all the documents done and everything uploaded and streamlined and ready to go on the day that they launch, that is 100% free to every restaurant hearing this message. So you can go to cheddarsuite.com, register and use the staff management system, the scheduling system. We will never charge you a dime for the life of the program. That's ours to give to you. And there's no obligation to upgrade or, or do anything of that nature. That is just 100% free. So please take advantage of that now. If you've got a little bit of downtime and you're in the process of following these instructions and identifying the right employees to bring back, well, just when you bring them back or even now, get them onboarded into a into a system that will allow you to scale and grow your business in the most efficient way possible, like Cheddar Suite. 
Uh, we're going to open it up for some Q&A here, and I've already got a number of questions coming in. I apologize, I'm not going to be able to get to all of these. Um, and I'm just going to say right off the bat that I, I'll try, I, Jamie, I'll throw this to you, and, and, but it may be better to just refer them to the right source. That is that as it relates to this PPP program and taking these dollars and the start date, you know, getting set in stone and they've got so long to hire back all of the employees that they've let go. Well, if for any reason this gets prolonged and they're not able to hire, they're not able to open their doors, they're going to have to pay those employees whether they're open or not in order to stay compliant with their funding. Do you have to have, I'm not an expert in this particular part, so I don't have anything to comment on other than hopefully to point in a good direction. Yeah, hey, hey Bruce, uh, that wrote in on that. Uh, uh, Bruce also was nice enough to write in to me this week, and 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 uh, longtime operator. And these these guys are great. So, but no, I, I mean, I, I I mean, you probably hit the question that everybody wants to know, and I don't have a great answer. But but I will, if you stay tuned to our stuff, keep looking for you know those those answers as we get closer. I I keep hearing from folks that um, uh, you know, they file the paperwork and they're looking for stuff to start this week, maybe next week. So I think you're all going to find out more. Uh, NRA is doing a really good job with the daily updates. I get their email every day that says, hey, this is what we found out today. So I, I would stay tuned there. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look to get some accountant type people on the line to interview here in the very near term. And they're going to have better answers than this than I could ever help to, 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 to provide you. So that's a very, very detailed question that just keep, you know, keep dialed in. Uh, we'll, I know we'll look to give you more, but if you guys have seen any, anything more, please uh, share links or, or tips. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to read off a few comments from Robert. Uh, he says sales um, will take six months to return. Third party delivery should be dropped like a bad habit. Tech is the solution. Training will will take first directive and loyalty membership programs are the future. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah, man, you, you said it. That's great, great, Robert. And the one thing I wanted to plug there is if you guys are interested in a loyalty management system, I've got a link on cheddarsuite.com forward slash thrive. It is 100% free to you throughout this crisis. So if you go there and just click on, I think there's a, under the resource tab, there's a link for uh, text messaging that platform is 100% free to all restaurants throughout this crisis. So if you wanted to start now with building a list, you can start there um, and I'll be able to help you with all of that. And Robert, you know, one uh, of the things I, I did want to bring up just because I, I saw your, one of the comments you made was asking customers, you know, before for uh, menu development. Um, I, for me, I, it, I tried that and it was the worst thing I did. I actually probably pissed off more customers than I made them happy. I, I realize people are creatures of habit. I, I would ask one person is, you know, this salsa is too hot. This salsa is too mild. This salsa is too this. And I realize like, we just need to do what we're good at. So to, to develop a menu around your customers is going to be really hard. I mean, we're creatures of habit. You need to create your menu, stick to it more than anything, stick to exactly when you bite into a McDonald's hamburger, you know what that taste is going to be like wherever you're at in the world. They put three pickles, they put one squirt of this, I mean, it's becoming, you know, you, you need to get to that point more so than what they want. It's create what you can do and you will develop and you will bring in those customers that, that enjoy that. A ton of people hate McDonald's hamburgers. Some people love them. They don't care. They just know that they're going to make it duplicated every single time, the exact same way at every store. So I, I just wanted to give my kind of comments on, on that. Great point. Couple, couple, uh, a couple of notes from, from I'm, I'm looking at some of Rob, Robert's comments in there and, and just stuff that I'm hearing. So uh, I, when you talk about third-party delivery platforms, I, you know, we've been negative uh, for years kind of on some of that stuff because of the high, the, high fees, the high fees involved. So yeah, it's not sustainable to give 30% to a delivery partner because you're making 10%. It's okay, every delivery you make, you lose money, great. Sign me up. So, so no. So the question will be, you know, two things, you know, one, a lot of the platforms have, have done the right thing and made the fees like zero or very low. So where do they revert back to after this to support the industry? And if it's back to 30%, I agree, drop them. If it's to, if it's to, if it's to a percentage that is uh, equitable, 
then I think it makes sense. So, so keep an eye on that. Don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say drop everybody for sure because I think it's going to play out a little differently and this may be the shock that we needed to do that. Um, the other thing is if you control your own data, you can easily make your own platform and then that is the much better way to control the profits. Not that you're going to necessarily have delivery drivers and that, that's the one piece that's the hardest to implement. Um, also, you know, Robert, Robert, Robert uses the term, you know, uh, loyalty versus membership. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very good mindset to what if, what if your, your, your loyal patrons are considered members, right? It's a different, it's a completely different shift. Like you may belong to a bunch of loyalty clubs, but how many places are you a member at? So you can spin this um, in, in a few different ways that's fun. Like my, my buddy Roger, who I do a lot of interviews with, when he had his place up in Maine, had a mug club, right? And that's like a membership. So every year before they start for like, I'll, I'll box the numbers, but let's just say for 49 bucks, you become a member of the mug club and you collect, you would collect, I'm going to say 800 of, 800 of those memberships every year. So boom, 50K hits the bank account before you even have to open the doors. Beautiful, right? So it's, so, it's, so it's cash flow. And what are the benefits they get for being in the club or being a member? You know, you're getting a mug, you're getting a place to put it, you're getting discounts that you can't normally get, you're getting other incentives, you're getting, uh, no, no, uh, he had bands and stuff like that, no cover charge to come in. So more than pays for itself. Meanwhile, the restaurant just collects cash, which we don't, we can't see everybody's hands, mm -hmm. but who doesn't like to collect, collect cash in advance. So, um, it is, it is, I think it's an important mindset distinction between, uh, you know, loyalty and membership. So if you can develop a membership program, I, I really strongly uh, believe in that. You know, and that mindset is so important is that, you know, developing programs and leveraging technology to be able to systematize a process and make sure that it's getting managed properly on an ongoing basis is probably the one, one of the most critical things you can do for your business moving forward. Uh, if you haven't developed programs and systems and processes for all aspects of your business, now is the time. Take advantage of technology. Take advantage of the time that you have available and put those systems in place and reach out to us. We will absolutely provide you the best resources that we can, even though it may not be something that we sell or promote or, or benefit from. Uh, we're hearing from a lot of people around the industry. Uh, one that I was going to plug is actually Slice. Uh, Slice is a platform that I have a lot of clients that use regularly for pizza specific uh, online ordering. And I, I've only ever heard good things about them. So I, I don't have firsthand knowledge of them, but you know, that's one of those platforms that for the pizza industry, I've heard their, um, their fees are a whole lot lower than a lot of the others. So maybe worth looking into. All right, guys. Well, um, we're, we're past our time allotment, so we're going to go ahead and cut it off right there. But I want to say thank you, Jamie and runningrestaurants.com for participating. Thank you, Javier uh, from Cheddar Suite joining us. Uh, please check out cheddarsuite.com forward slash thrive to get access to the recording uh, both today, uh, last week, and also in all our recordings moving forward. And look forward to next week. I just want to reiterate that next week we're going to have some kind of creative ideas on how to develop some some alternate revenue streams and how you can start today on putting those systems in place. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie, for joining. Thank you guys for listening. Be safe. Come on. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Be safe.